Welcome to Modern Day Abigails, a women's outreach of Calvary Chapel Pearland. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let's listen to God's Word, where everyday lives transform, and where we can become the women God created us to be. It was very earth-shattering when I found out the truth. Instead, he lived a double life. He was a habitual cheater, which included most of my friends, strippers, strangers, and possibly even a cousin. So strangers as in AKA prostitutes? Sure. Okay. Just... People met in bar, people... Oh, okay. People he met in bars and stuff like that, okay. or uh, probably... Probably prostitutes. I mean, they're not, a, they're not off limits. Okay. I mean, he slept with strippers in the back of the club, so oh. no def, no doubt he probably had slept okay. with prostitutes as well. Um, he didn't have a, a limit on who was included oh, in okay. this. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, again, no one was off Sorry, limits. Sorry, I'm not like familiar with some of that stuff, so when I hear oh. stranger, I'm like, what do we mean by stranger? <laughs> hey, that just doesn't yeah. cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never stepped. No, that's not true. I can't even go into that. Skip that. Last part. Okay. So found out all kinds of things about him way, way too late. So on top of being a cheater, he was also a sex addict as well as a high level narcissist. Now, that word is used fluently these days, but there is a very real mental disorder that is narcissism. And I had no idea what that was until I was well into my 16th year of marriage. He was so mentally abusive, but so very good at it. And I slowly became scary suicidal and closet alcoholic. I never could pinpoint why I was changing so dang drastically, but it was because of him and his mental abuse. But he was so good at it, and I was so dang clueless. He was so good at leading a double life outside of the house that I was also very clueless about that as well. I endured so, so many abusive things. I was never sent to the hospital or anything like that from the abuse. Um, His was mostly mental. However, he did find out that one of the things that he liked to use against me, he found out that my son's dad loved to put his hands around my throat. Um, so he began using that tactic as well. And uh, as well, when nothing else worked, you know, if I was getting too out of line, or if I was forgetting my place, which was often uh, because of my own personality. So this was the task tactic that um, he used often. I almost passed out a few times. And several times I was shocked that I actually mm. even lived I don't have time to tell all the details, but when I say I was a mental suicidal basket case, I honestly needed to be hospitalized, except that I was raising four kids, his three and my one. We had custody, and so they were the reason that I stayed alive, literally the only reason that I made the the conscious decision to live. So let's jump fast forward to his constant affairs. 
Um, he finally found someone after six years of being married to me. Six or 16, I'm sorry. 16. Okay. I'm sorry. Did I say six? Yeah, just now. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's let's clarify that. That's a big difference. So after 16 years of marriage, he finally, uh, one of his affairs, he decided that he wanted to leave me for. Not divorce me for, just leave me for. A narcissist doesn't like to divorce his wife normally because he worked way, way too hard to gain all those years of constant control. So he'd made me think that we had a marriage if we worked on it, even though we were now separated. Then he would come home and we could be the perfect couple. Okay, so you know that thing where you hear people being kidnapped and when they are released they help their captor and no one knows why oh there's a word for that i can't remember what there it is, is a yeah, word i can't for remember that. that but here's why because now you are utterly alone and the only life you knew for all those years even though it was so messed up it's gone and you're left to pick up the pieces but you don't know where all the pieces are and you don't know how to pick them up, and you don't know how to fit them all in the bag, even if you did find them. It was easier to live in the chaos because it's all you knew. Fear is absolutely Mm -hmm. debilitating, and I had no one. I had no help. I had nowhere to go along Uh, to go long-term that wasn't going to disrupt someone else's family. I was utterly alone. Also, we owned our own electrical business that was rapidly growing, and he emptied all the accounts, and he sold all the trucks and the assets before I even knew what was happening. So let's add penniless to my list. I was so lost, so broke, so damaged. So people who didn't know me then do not know that, Joanna. They would not have recognized me if they did. So after about 2.5 years, and I do mean 2.5 years of not divorcing me and me not having the money to divorce him, that was the length of time that we were separated at that time, nor did I ever want to be a divorced woman. Super against divorce. There came a day when the Lord told me it was time. I cannot explain it in words. I just knew. So I called my uncle. So let me let me recap here. At this point, he had left after 16 years. He had left. We were separated. I didn't know he was actually for a long time living with this woman. I did not know that. I just thought we were separated working on our marriage. For the most part, that's what I believed. And this took about two and a half years. At some point, at the end of that two and a half years is when I found out the truth about everything. Okay, so here we are. Fast forward to two and a half years. Um, I had no money. I was penniless. I was broke. I had been working on my marriage this whole time. And this whole time, he had been living with someone else. Okay, and then I hear the Lord telling me, it's time, it's time, okay? Now, that's all well and good, except that I didn't have any money. Again, he had sold everything, emptied out our bank accounts, and I didn't have anything. And then the Lord reminded me that I had one asset, 
and it was my Jeep. It was the only vehicle in our name, my name, and he had not sold it yet because it was his most prized possession. Okay, so I knew that it was time to do the dreaded thing that I didn't want to do in my whole life, and that was file for divorce. The Lord had told me it's time. So I'm not having any money yet, um, but now realizing that I had a way to get some, but I didn't know how long it was take was going to take to sell the Jeep. Hang on. You, 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 I want to make sure you mention this. You were praying because you had gotten saved through all this, and you were been praying for a restored marriage. The whole time. time. You, were rest- you were praying for a restored marriage. The whole time. The whole time. But the Lord said no. He did not restore it. And um, I was devastated by that answer. Okay. But at this point, at this mental point in my life, I was ready to do whatever the Lord said to do, even if I didn't like it, even if I didn't understand it. Okay. So I did something I'd never done in my entire life. I contacted my rich uncle and my rich grandparents who I had never borrowed a single dime from them in my life. And, but I knew that I could pay them back as soon as I sold the Jeep. So I told them what was happening and I needed $5,000. I needed $2,500 for my um, retainer for my uh, attorney to file divorce. And, um, but I knew that I could get a lot more for the Jeep. And so I told them as soon as I sold it, if you will help me do this, as soon as I sell the Jeep, I will pay you back. And that's exactly what I did. Okay. So let me find my place in my notes here because I think I have totally detoured. No, no, you're, okay. no, no, you didn't. You're good. Um, let's he lost see his here. mind. You're at the part where he lost his mind. Yeah. Because you started the divorce proceedings. Okay. Let's see here. Oh, yes. Okay. So I did. I started divorce proceedings and I thought things were bad before then. No. It is. Very dangerous to begin to take control away from a narcissist. They literally lose their mind. Things get dangerous. Okay. So um, let me see here. Okay. So... One reason is they get dangerous is because they lose control. Okay. Um, He spent the next, so from the time he left to the time I filed divorce was two and a half years. From the time I filed divorce to the time we were actually divorced was another two years. Okay. So he spent the next two years trying to regain control over me during this entire divorce proceedings. It got very scary. My friends, were scared for me. We all knew that I was going to end up in one of those episodes of those shows where the wife goes missing and the husband did it. And I cannot convey to you the fear that I was experiencing. My attorney, he told me that I needed to follow a restraining order. And I laughed. I'm not even five foot, ladies, and this man is six two. A piece of paper was not going to stop him if he decided to harm me. So then my uh, attorney looked at me and he said, well, you need to get a gun. And I said, now that 
I can do. So my friends who were gun fanatics that took me shopping the next week, I now have one. Naturally, it's pink. It's cute. Don't be jealous. Mm-hmm. Um. Where was I? You're a, it's okay. pink. Okay, it's cute. Okay, so th- so now fast forward. The divorce took two years because of okay. The divorce took longer than it should have because he kept doing stupid things, and then we kept having to go to court. He had some crazy sh- shenanigans that he kept trying because in reality he didn't want a divorce. Okay, so um, I don't know what he thought he would accomplish. But all of his shenanigans, all it did was um, lengthen the divorce proceedings. They should have taken a few months, but instead they took two years. Okay, so fast forward two years, and um, it is finally over. And I was left to pick up the pieces. How you ask, that's a good question. But my favorite part of your whole story is about how the lawyer had so much fun going against him, he didn't make you finish paying him off. Oh, do I not talk about no, that? No, I, I think it's great. <laughs> uh, I think that part's great. Okay, yes. Yeah, so when it was over, the divorce was over, and, and John, through the entire divorce, he kept liquidating his 401k, which, by the way, was against the court rules, but John did it anyway, because, you know, John being John, he's just above the law. Okay, so he ended up liquidating one of the last things that he liquidated was $10,000 out of his 401k before like days before the divorce. And so the my attorney pointed it out and he said um you just liquidated another 10 grand and the judge said you just liquidated another 10 grand. Mr. Jenkins, where is that 10 grand? And John said the check is in my wallet. And the judge says, <laughs> "Well, you know where that's going, don't you?" Nice. And he said, I want you to take that $10,000 check and I want you to give it to your wife. So John took it out of his wallet. He did not hand it to me. No, of course he not. He handed it to the attorney. He didn't even look at me. So when the divorce was over, which so that was near the end of the divorce. So it was another hour after that. So we were out in the parking lot. The divorce was over. Um, John had already left. The attorney and I were standing out in the parking lot and he said, uh, I said, Hey, so you got the $10,000 check. He was told to sign it over. Did he sign it over to anyone or did he put your name or my name? And he said, he didn't sign it over to anyone. And I said, okay, so I know I owe you about 30 grand. And so I, I think that if you're okay with it, I'm going to that's your first 10000 Take that. Do you know how to cash the checks? I've never cashed a check that somebody signed over to me. That was because it was originally written to John's name. So I don't know how to cash a check that's written to somebody else. And he said, no, I can. I said, okay, that's your first down payment. But if you'll work with me, as soon as I get the rest of the money that I was awarded, if you'll work with me, I can finish paying off the rest because I know I owe you a lot. And he said, you know, that was fun. I had a real good time destroying him because of what he did to you. So we're going to call this even. And That's I, the Lord's blessing. I said, what? What? And he said, your debt's paid. And I literally just, I literally felt, poor guy, he's married. I fell into his arms and I just wept. And he held me and I held him. I'm sorry, wife, that it happened. 
but it was such a sweet, sentimental thing. And right there in the parking lot, people passing by, everything, it was a very full parking lot. And I didn't care, neither did he. And we, he just let me cry. And that lasted, I feel like it lasted an hour. It's probably more like three minutes, maybe five. And um, he did. He wiped my slate clean. I didn't know another dime. And the neat thing is, is when you know that Jesus turns and looks at you and goes, your debt's been paid. Your yeah. slate is clean. You don't owe anything else. Yep. We're all getting all teared up and choked up. I know, over here. I am. Sorry. And um, Anna, you're making me cry. And so that's <laughs> another, the, that's part of the year the locusts have eaten. Yeah. The Lord can restore what damage was done. And that was the beginning of my restoration right there. <laughs> I did not expect that. I did not see that coming. And that was a blessing straight from the Lord. And I owed that man another 30, another 20 grand and he never asked for it. And that was that. And I think though, if I had kept that check, that would not have been the same, but yeah. I didn't keep the check. Right. And I gave it to him because he, he, he earned that check. And, um, and then that's how that ended. So that's most of my testimony. And so we're, my testimony ends here. So I want to um, have Anna give her testimony. Anna, what time is it? Oh, um, it is one hour and 33 minutes. Okay, so ends 1.33 and then Anna's starts. We told sorry. y'all we were real. Yeah, sorry, we're making notes so that uh, Ray knows where, because he edits our stuff, he knows where and when so he doesn't split the testimonies up into two different podcasts. Okay, so I... I love Anna's story just as much as I love my own because she um, had, she faced a lot of the same things. It wasn't in a 16-year thing. Hers mm-hmm. was condensed into two years. Um, however, our endings mm-hmm. after we left and got to a safe place were very, very different. You get to see both sides of the spectrum, how someone um, deals with things when they have no help, and then how someone deals with things when they do have help. Our endings are the same in a lot of aspects. The Lord can work with both situations. Okay, so I wanted Anna to tell her story and it's a good one too she was smarter than i am she didn't last for 16 years she got out a lot quicker praise the lord and um yeah praise the lord yeah but the damage that was done to her mentally was still the same so anna would you share your story with us yes and i'm not joanna so i did not write mine out i got bullet points so if i'm like running around sorry I was running around too, and I still wrote it out. <laughs> I, I just couldn't it do it. I, 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 I just couldn't do it. Um, no, girl, you do you. Okay. So mine also starts when I was very young, and it wasn't abuse from my family, though. It was more abuse from, like, strangers, and, and I'll tell you why here in a minute. So um, my brother and I were born six and a half weeks early, and we were twins, and then, so he, and you know, unfortunately, but at the same time, the Lord used it to give him a great attitude. He was born with scoliosis, a club feet. Um, some of his toes didn't f- finish splitting apart. He has one hand that never fully developed. So he got a lot. And so he needed a lot of surgeries when he was little. He had to go in the hospital a lot. He needed a little surgeries. And so what so what comes up with that is people felt sorry for him. But they kind of people who feel sorry for one kind of forget the other person. And I didn't feel sorry for him because I was taught that we were the same. We were not treated differently. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he was 
a normal kid just like I was. I, I didn't see a difference in him. And so, you know, like Halloween, he'd get extra candy. He'd get extra attention. If he lost a tooth, somebody's pulling out a dollar. You know, here's a dollar. You know, and this is in the 70s. You know, here's a dollar for your tooth. You know, I lost a tooth. It's like, so what? Halloween, uh-huh, so what? Here's your piece of candy. Oh, here you go. Here's your tin. So my mom being the mom she was was smart. She'd actually take all of our, I don't do Halloween now. We don't agree with Halloween anymore. I'm just saying this was back a long time ago when it was supposed to be just for fun. So you learn what was really behind Halloween. But she would take all the candy and throw it out in the middle and we'd split it up evenly what we liked. And she got a pile too. She, she worked for it. We yeah. all got piles. I mean, what to say? She worked for it. She had to take us trick or treating. She, you know, so we'd split the pile up. But I lived with that constant. He was more special. He was better than me. Now, and, you know, he was very um, confident. I, I had no confidence. So when I was little, I had no confidence. I was very much a mama's girl and I was very much non social. So he was a social butterfly. He had a lot of confidence. So um, he, he knew he was great. He'd let you know, too. If you asked him, he'd tell you he was great. So that's so I lived in that, you know, I don't know what you would call it. Zone. So that's a good word. Yeah. I lived mental, in that zone. Uh, a mental zone. Yeah. And even when so he'd gone to hospital several times, I had gone in the hospital once because I had pneumonia. And um, I didn't I mean, other, other than my 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 dad, my grandmother who lived close by and um, my brother, nobody. Oh, my dad's boss, Mr. Raiders. He's passed away, but shout out to him. He came and visited me. I still have the little pewter doll he gave me. And he spent time. It wasn't like he walked in and walked out. He actually sat there and spent time and talked to me. Well, when he, my brother went back into the hospital, everybody was there. You name, it was like a family reunion. Everybody was there. And people were coming in with balloons and stuff like this and that. And so I just asked a kid comment. What's a kid going to say? So I asked, and, and if y'all have gotten to know me, I will say things out loud. Not intentionally, but I'm processing something. So I'll say sometimes the stupidest thing out loud. And I kind of looked and I'm like, so why did he get balloons? And basically one of my family members turned around, looked at me, says, you need to be quiet and sit down. So I lived for the rest of my life with the idea that I was not as important, that I was worthless, and I needed to just sit down, shut up, and be quiet because I was, you know, I had no real meaning. And that was not their intent. But when you're a little kid, that's how you take it. Well, at some point as a little kid, I don't know what church we went to, couldn't tell you. I just remember it being big, and we sat up in the back pews. We were a typical back row people. And I don't know what the sermon was about. But I remember at the end, the pastor going, do you know you're a sinner? And I remember thinking, yes, I know I'm a sinner. And do you want Jesus to save you and be forgiven? I'm like, yes, this is what I want. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want Jesus. And he said that, um, say this prayer with me. And I said that prayer with him. I I knew I needed it. And so I'm going to say it was probably somewhere between Three and six. And the reason I say that is at three years old, I, rem- I actually do remember um, fighting my mom and saying, no, I'm not doing that. You know, she asked me to pick up my toys and told her no. Um, but at six, I remember I couldn't stand getting in trouble. I hated getting in trouble. In fact, um, our... You're still that way. Yeah, I am. Our PE teacher said, if you get in trouble, you have to go sit next to the green wall. And if you're really in trouble, you're going to get pops. I was so... But they didn't tell me the rules. So I was terrified. I cried every day before PE because I was terrified I was going to get in trouble. And so when that pastor got done talking and I said that prayer, he said, if you said this prayer, stand up and come down here. And I stood up to go down there and I heard a voice go, why? What are they going to say to you? What are they going to do? So I sat right back down. First time I ever heard the voice of the enemy. 
I didn't know there was an enemy's voice. Nobody ever taught me that. So, so what do you think happened? I didn't tell anybody. I didn't get discipled. Um, I always wanted to go to church, but some, but we didn't have the internet back then. And we had a very good knack of finding crazy churches. I think that one church where I started mimicking. Well, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were going Easy to, to find. We were going to this. Well, we went to one church that said, if you don't go to church, you're going to go to hell. I knew that was not right. Um, now, do you, should you go to church? Yes. And I love the saying, you don't need a parachute to jump out of a plane, but it sure does help. <laughs> so, True fact. <laughs> so you should go to church. I'm not, it's not going to save you, but you should go. Um, only Jesus saves. And then um, we found another church, which was fine for a while. Um, they were a little, I mean, they taught prayer really weird. I know that now, but um, I guess they were speaking in tongues, but I didn't know that. So I just started mimicking the gibberish because it was just gibberish. It sounded gibberish. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that's the last time we uh, went to that church. I think it scared my mom. Um, so anyway, we had a knack of finding really crazy churches. So we didn't really go a whole lot, but I always went. So I read my children's Bible, which by the way, the children's Bible is nothing like the adult Bible. And so please do not do that to your children. Read them the real Bible. Okay. Cause when I got older and realized the Bible that I read as a kid did not match the Bible I read as an adult, my life was screwed up already. It just made it even worse because I thought I knew who Jesus was. Everything you thought you knew. Yeah. No longer exists. Yeah, and then it scared me because it wasn't sweet and kind like the children's Bible. So anyway, I wound up getting very bullied and um, started in junior high. Well, actually, elementary was okay, but the bulliness really started in junior high because I didn't change. I didn't go with the flow. So I immediately started, which is really weird. I never could figure out exactly why I got bullied because it wasn't like I was competition to anybody. I think it was just because I was quiet and I didn't fight back is the reason I got bullied. Easy to pick on. So I went through that through all my junior high life to the point where I became suicidal. Um, I did entertain the idea of witchcraft. Thankfully, we didn't have the internet. So I'm very against sorcery and magic because it takes away from the Lord. Um, at some point, the, I heard the enemy tell me one time, don't be selfish. You shouldn't pray for yourself. Because I used to pray all the time as a kid. All the time. And, and I went through back and forth because sometimes when I'd pray, it seemed like the opposite would happen. So I'd start getting scared to pray. And then I'd hear the Lord say, no, keep praying. So I'd pray. But then I heard the enemy say, don't be selfish. You shouldn't pray for yourself. He didn't tell me not to pray for anybody else. He just said, don't be selfish. Don't pray for yourself. So I quit praying for myself because I didn't know there were two voices. Because you know what? It's not talked about in the children's Bible. You really don't hear much about the devil in the, in the children's Bible. You know, you get the cute stories. I'm chuckling over here. Yeah, Y'all can't see it. Uh, so I was very bullied. So by high school, I started trying to pray again. But it was terrible. So it was like, well, Lord, if I can just get a boyfriend, maybe everybody would be, leave me alone. I didn't pray for my enemies like the Bible told me to, because you know why? That's not in the children's Bible. I did not. Um, I did not. I, I started having um, evil thoughts. You know, I wanted to repay with evil. I wanted to get revenge. I started to become very angry, but I hid it. So my family didn't see it. So I had really good parents, but I hid it from them. I would talk to my mom. But I would hide the things that I didn't want to upset her with. So, uh, so I started saying, well, you know, if I had a boyfriend, maybe, maybe they'd leave me alone. And um, this is the part where I tell Tracy Pena, if I ever meet you, I want to say, I'm sorry. I was not a good friend. And I've been praying that I can meet you face to face so I can tell you I'm sorry. You have very common names. So I can't find you on Facebook because your name is very common, by the way. Um, so anyway, I'm hoping that's my way of at least saying I'm sorry. Hopefully, maybe we'll get out there one day. Tracy Pena of Deer Park High School. 
Um, I'm not even going into that detail, but I did finally get um, my first boyfriend. I had no idea what I was doing. I was very ignorant. And I want to say in ahead of time, my mom did apologize to me. She said, Anna, I am so sorry that I did not teach you how to date. I didn't teach you about anything because she saw me later on. I decided to teach my son how to date. He wasn't going to go through what I went through. So my mom did apologize. She felt bad. But I'm like, mom, don't. I said, one, I should have done what y'all said. You told me don't have sex before marriage. Your husband will explain it to you all. Okay. That wasn't the greatest lecture in the world. But by God, (laughs) if I had listened to her, everything would have been fine. (laughs) Good advice. It was great (laughs) advice. I should have listened. Um, But you're a detailed kind of person. You needed a few more details. Well, also, and I'll tell you what the other one was. Please watch what your children are watching. Watch what you watch. Part of it, I remember as a kid watching a scene, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, they try to keep it discreet, but they still had it in the movie. So you see a couple people in the bed. And I remember one day it hit me. Oh, my God, they're having sex. But I didn't really know what sex was. But I knew that's what they were doing. How? That was the enemy. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I got to do this when I get a boyfriend. I don't like this idea. And then I remember thinking, but mom says, no, I don't do that. I was very confused. Did I talk about it with my parents? Of course not. I kept my mouth shut. Because that goes back to where I was very quiet and I didn't want to. I, I, I mean, it went back to that. You're not important. You're not worth those. You just sit there and be quiet. Even though my parents never said that, I lived that life. I also had this situation where I had a swim instructor who, bless his heart, he was trying to teach me how to put my head underwater. It was a fail. I thought he was trying to drown me and kill me. Okay. That kind of sticks with you for the rest of your life because you don't want anybody touching you. You don't want to have a relationship. You want everybody to stay away. So I lived with that too. That was fun. Poor Ray. He had to get through. I, I actually want to talk a little about that, but my, my how all of this affected my marriage with Ray and how we've had to really work through that. Um, am I doing okay? I Absolutely. Okay. Keep going. Because I feel like I'm boring. Oh, not at all. All right. So I get this first boyfriend who, like Joanna said, he seemed like he was really nice at first. He seemed nice. He seemed calm. Um, he was nice looking, which I didn't think I'd ever get somebody who was nice looking. Um, Ray's more handsome, of course, but just saying, at the time in high school, he seemed like a, not a bad-looking guy. Um, I, it, well, he wasn't ugly, which I figured, you know, that was, was what I was going to get. But, um, but, I, but I was very, very ignorant. So he knew that. He knew I had never had a boyfriend. And the idea of having a bunch of boyfriends and going on dates never thrilled me anyway. My mom knew the moment she met my dad that she was going to marry him. My grandparents... They got the talking on their first date. They were already engaged. So in my mind, that's how it worked. You met, you, you, you didn't go on a whole bunch of dates. You met your love right away. <laughs> Not when you have an enemy who's going after you. So don't think the enemy doesn't go I'm after children. my head. Yes, yeah. y'all. You can't see that. Don't think the enemy doesn't go after your kids. He will go after your kids. So do not think there's nothing in the Bible. And that's what I wanted to talk about. There's no se- exceptions in the Bible. Okay. I don't know if y'all have noticed that there's no exceptions. Rules are rules. Um, so if you're thinking, yeah, but in my situation, no, no, the same rules that the God gives us follows you quiet, gentle spirit. There was no exception to a quiet, gentle spirit. Where was I boyfriend? Okay. So he seemed nice at first and, but he started doing that manipulation, started that controlling and had me believing that he was having me followed and people were watching me, which at some point was, you know, when you're that young and ignorant, you're like, oh, that means he cares. No, it means he was controlling. <laughs> Red flag right there. He's just trying to protect me, make sure I'm yeah, safe. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. And then, nope. you know, he made clear his intentions. I thought, you know, I was just told you, don't tell him you don't want to have sex. It's supposed to be that. No, it doesn't work that way. 
And like I said, it just got more and more Not when you're with a predator. No, and I didn't know that. And so basically, I had never really fought other than my brother. There was no arguments in my house. I, you know, I should, I didn't know that having a, a fight like that, or we used to argue, but I didn't know. I know y'all probably thinking, huh? No, my parents didn't argue. They still don't. They still don't. <laughs> my mom thought they had a fight one day. I'm like, did y'all yell? Like after t- almost 50 years of marriage, I think I had a fight with your dad. Mm, did y'all yell and scream? No, I just disagreed with him. Oh God, mom, mom, <laughs> no. I could totally see your yeah. mom saying that. Mom, oh. that's not a fight. That's not a fight. We love at all. you, Anne. You I make know. it look She's, so easy. She did. I, I tell them all the time. I said, Y'all know y'all made it look so easy that um that was such a lie. It's so hard. <laughs> um so it's just little by little. And then he's like, Oh, I want to get married. So we were quote engaged. Now, mind you, the guy didn't really have a job. We never went on a date and he didn't have a car. Mom's very convinced he was using me because I had a car. Um, I did have, um, I did Again, babysit. predator. Yeah. And I, but I didn't know. All right. So right, I, of course. Yeah. I had no idea. Never been in, around a guy before like that. Ladies, take um, notes of all these red flags from our testimonies. Thank you for letting us share our tools to become the women God created us to be. If we encourage you today, visit us at moderndayabigails.com. Remember, you are loved, cherished, and prayed over.